allow me a moment to just, uh, again, uh, introduce Damon, his wife, Sarah. Their kids are with them. Um, it, it was uh, a sad day to see him go, a joyful and sad day because we knew it was a new season for them and the Lord. Um, but very sorrowful us, for, for us in the sense that uh, they were leaving. And um, the neat thing is, is that Damon so uh, helped to lead at Gateway Church um, and was such, such a faithful servant to this house that, uh, you know, all of us felt like, you know, he needed to have uh, a continuation of, of that place to where we could bring them back and, and they, he could make a deposit uh, at least a couple times a year. And so when, when I asked him if he had sat on our board of directors, there was uh, not too long of a pause, but a short pause with a, uh, uh, what does that all mean? Uh, so just helping you conduct the business of the church in an integrous and, uh, you know, in a way of, of love for the congregation and the decisions that are being made uh, concerning business. And Damon himself has run business, so he brings that acumen to the table as well. And so, uh, but the spiritual deposit uh, does not pale next to his, his business sense. Uh, and I'm sure you're going to be blessed by the word he's going to share today. Damon, would you please come and share your word? All right. <laughs> Oh, let me get my timer here. It's so good to see everybody. Um, Pastor Derek and Angie mean so much to Sarah and I and our family, and obviously so does the Gateway family. A lot of new faces, which is incredible. It's awesome to see uh, new faces here. Uh, the Lord's got some great things that he's going to do in the life of Gateway Church. And, um, and so anyway, I'm just excited to be able to share a word with you about that. So uh, when Pastor Derek and I were talking a little bit um, about coming out here and getting an opportunity to share, I really began to pray and seek the Lord about the word that he wanted me to share. And obviously, you know, uh, it, it is Palm Sunday. Um, and, you know, I, I really wanted to be obedient to the Holy Spirit uh, because I didn't want to share a message on Palm Sunday just for the sake of sharing a message for Palm Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so anyway, I really sought the Lord, and I was doing a wedding a few weeks ago. It was my first wedding that I performed um, back in North Carolina. I did Pastor Derek got me doing several here, which was awesome. Um, and so I was performing a wedding a few weeks ago, and, uh, and the Lord dropped this word in my heart as I was on the way up to uh, the ceremony. And the word was, possess the land. Possess the land. And, man, I got to thinking about that thing and just chewing on it, and the Holy Spirit really just began to give me some revelation and insight into that. Uh, and so I want to share a little bit with you uh, today regarding that. So first I want to say the Lord has made a way for us to possess that which he's already promised to us, okay? All right, in your personal life, your church life, uh, he wants you to possess every aspect of that which he has promised to you. I've come that, I'm, that you might have life and have it, what, more abundantly, okay? So he's promised us, by his very nature, an abundant life. Now, it's up to us whether we possess that abundant life because just because we have a right to something doesn't mean we possess it. Just because I have a right to something doesn't mean that I take hold of it and possess it. I mean... You know, here's the thing. You know, let's just say you got wealthy parents and they pass away and they leave all the inheritance to you. Well, you have a right to that estate. 
But if you don't go claim that estate, just because you have a right, you've not claimed it and possessed it. And so the same thing applies with our, with our Heavenly Father, man, that God has given us, He's given us a promise that we can receive and receive all that He has for us and receive the abundant life, regardless if I've been walking with Jesus for five minutes or 50 years. It doesn't matter. He's given us that same right to possess that which He's laid before us. Amen. Now, look, go with me real quick to Joshua chapter 1. Now, has my southern draw gotten worse? I don't, maybe a little bit. That's good. That's right. Amen. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, let's start in verses uh, 1 through 5. And after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land that I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River and into the East Mediterranean Sea and the west, including all the land of the Hittites. Listen to this, verse 5, underline it. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. So I'm going to share with you three points. Man, y'all need to highlight that scripture and just go through. And like that should be something that you reflect on constantly. Because he said that he would never leave you nor fail you. We walk through storms and times and seasons in life where we think, God, man, what is going on? What's happening right now? But we go back to this promised land, man. God said that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So I'm going to share with you three points this morning about possessing the land which God has brought you to. And this is a word specifically for Gateway and specifically for you as an individual part of Gateway Church. And so I'm going to share three points with you today. The first one I want to share is you have to prepare to possess the land. You have to prepare to possess the land. Okay, what, what does that mean? Well, God's promises are available to us, but if we don't know how to get to them or how to steward them, then it's kind of pointless, right? I mean, the Word of God is full of promises. It's full of rich and incredible things. But if we don't know how to dig into it and prepare ourselves to use it and utilize it, then it's pretty much pointless. I might as well be reading a science book. But we have to prepare to possess the land. So what, are the, what am I talking about? I'm talking about our heart. Go with me to Joshua chapter 5, 2 verses 8. And it's getting ready to get a little bit graphic. So y'all just bear with me, all right? I got a point in all this, all right? So Joshua chapter 5. And verse 2 through 8, and at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gebeath Hareleth. Joshua had to circumcise them because all who were old enough to fight in the battle when they had left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none born after the exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. 
And the Israelites had traveled into the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight, that's a repeat, sorry. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed that he would not let them enter into the land that he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised in the way to the promised land. And after all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Now, what does all this mean? We're, we're talking right now about, it, about a Jewish thing that God gave Abraham way back in the day, that all the males would be circumcised, and now all of a sudden we see that God speaks to Joshua generations later and says, listen, if you're going to go into the promised land, you got to get right with me because this thing is out of balance here. I declared a word over Abraham many, many generations ago, and it's not been held up. That end of the bargain ain't been held up, and it's important. And here's why it's important. Look in Genesis real quick. Look in Genesis 17, verses 13 and 14. He says, all must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Your body will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. So God was essentially just reestablishing and reminding those people, hey, look, man, this thing ain't going away. If we're going to walk into the promised land that God has called us to be, our hearts have to be circumcised. They got to be laid bare before God Almighty. It shows as an everlasting covenant that he is with me. And so I can't expect to receive all the things that, that God has laid before me if my heart is not laid bare and open before him. It was a mark to a man. It was a reminder. It was a reminder that God is the reason that they came out of Egypt. And so as we sit here today and as you think about things in your life, whether it's your marriage or whether it's, it's serving in the church or, or furthering the kingdom of God here at Gateway Church, there's a few things that got to be right. And our heart has got to be right. I can't expect God to honor that which I dishonor. I can't expect God to look at me when I've not yielded my heart and laid my heart bare before him and say, search me, O God, and know me in every way. Let my heart be laid bare before you, God, that you can know me, that my actions, that my deeds can be a sign of your everlasting covenant with me. That all people who see me and who come in contact with me, man, they'll say, God, that guy's different. Something about that dude, man. He just, he, something is different. I can't tell what it is, but you know what that is? That is the sign. That is the seal of the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts that is evidence for all to see the everlasting covenant that God made with you. And so we got to prepare to possess it. We can't just walk up in there and be like, all right, here I am, I'm here, I'm ready. It doesn't happen that way. We have to make preparation to receive the promises that he has called for us to do. Prepare your heart to receive it. Man, some of you might have been having marriage problems and struggles. I'm just here to tell you right now that a healthy marriage is absolutely God's promise. 
period paragraph. There ain't no ands, ifs, or buts. There ain't no, hey, she ain't the right one, he ain't the right one. As soon as you walk down the aisle and you said, I do, guess what? It's sealed and in heaven. It's done. And I'm here to tell you right now that a healthy marriage is absolutely God's promise for you. And it requires me to prepare my heart for my wife. When I got married, I had to change the way I thought a little bit. You know, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, we got in this thing, me and Sarah got in this, we, we got in this argument one time, and if any of you guys have ever seen The Breakup, right, if you've ever seen The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn, it's hilarious, because Sarah and I legitimately had this fight, and she's like, and the dishes are like, the sink is full of dishes, right, and she's like, well, I, I mean, let's do the dishes, I'm like, I don't want to do the dishes, and she's like, well, why don't you want to do the dishes, I I don't want to do the dishes. I don't like doing the dishes. I don't want to do the dishes. And we legitimately had this fight about doing the dishes. But you know what? That seems like a small thing. But at the end of the day, I had to prepare my heart to receive a healthy and fulfilled marriage with my wife. And that meant that I had to lay my pride open and my heart open and say, God, search me. If I'm being a jerk right now, help me out here. And you know what? The Lord began to give me some new revelation that if I want to receive the promise of having a good and healthy life with my spouse, man, I've got to prepare myself. I've got to do some things. And that is the same way in everything that we do with our job. Man, if you're sitting at your job and you're stuck dead in your job, what are you doing right now to prepare yourself for what God has for you? Are you sitting around just collecting a paycheck or are you doing more? Are you pressing in more in your education? Are you trying to be the best steward over what God has given you right then and there? We have to prepare because guess what? How you practice is how you play. Bottom line. We can say that we want to walk into the promises of God, but how we practice is how we play. So prepare your heart just like Joshua did with these guys. Joshua understood that these, that these men, they had to follow up, or follow up under what the covenant was with Abraham generations ago. And they had to follow up under that because they could not receive the promise of God without preparing their hearts. Second point today is you got to tend the land. you got to tend the land. So, untended land is only good for observance, right? You know, y'all got beautiful mountains here. I like to liken it to farmland because obviously where I'm from, as we got a lot of farmland, right? But when you go up in the, in the mountains and you're around, you're, you're in untended land. It's wild. It can be thick. It can be hard to navigate and maneuver around it. And it's only good for wildlife. It's nice to enjoy. But as far as being able to get any sort of yield out of that land, it cannot happen. Pastor Derek grew up on a farm. Nathan's getting ready to go do it, right? So when you get on a farm and you have farmland, does a farmer just go through an empty field and just throw seed? No. They got to till it. They got to prepare the soil for the seed. They have to put insecticide on it to make sure that the bugs and all that stuff don't come in and eat up all the, all the fruit, all the crop. 
Farmers have to tend that which they have been given. You have to tend your marriage. You have to tend your job. You have to tend your children. It takes work. It takes effort. There ain't no part of it that's easy. Can I get a good amen? I mean, all y'all who got children, my youngins, I love them to death, but they drop, drive me nuts sometimes. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, like, want to lay hands on them suddenly, you know? My pastor back home says that I stole it from him. He'll be all right. But you got to tend that stuff. It takes work. It takes effort. Listen, let's go, let's go real quick to uh, let's go real quick to Matthew chapter 25. And I'm not gonna read all this, but basically Matthew chapter 25 involves two passages of scripture. Okay. The first one is the parable of the ten virgins. So the ten virgins, they all had lamps with oil in them, right? So some of them kept the oil full. Some of them thought, this ain't no big deal. It's going to be all right. I ain't in no rush. It's all going to be good. And so what happens? The bridegroom comes, and the ones who have the oil go with the bridegroom, and the ones who don't get left out. And then the next passage of Scripture, he talks about the parable of the talents. Right? One person is given one talent. One person is given five. One person is given ten. The one person with one buries it. And the other two dudes double the investment. Now, do you think that those other guys who doubled the investment, do you think that they just like, that they, like, it took work, it took effort, right? I mean, my our economics professor said a long time ago, they know such thing as a free lunch. Like, that, that was my first day in microeconomics. My professor said that and has stuck with me to this day. Tonstoffel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch period, other than the grace of Jesus Christ. But those guys, man, they had to work and put effort in to get the return back on that investment. The virgins who kept the oil in the lamp, man, they had to go and get more oil. They had to buy more oil, and they had to keep it put in their lamp. So they had to tend that which they were given. This comes down to a stewardship issue. This is all about stewardship. If you look at everything in your life, it all comes down to stewardship. Everything, our money, our time, our talents, it all comes down to stewardship. God has given us this one life. He's given us this one opportunity here on this earth to take it and use it to further his kingdom. He's given us this one opportunity in life to have a rich and full marriage with my spouse. He's given me this one opportunity to be able to go into my workplace and have a rich and a full and a satisfied life. And whether that, look, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if your job is at Burger King or if your job is at the Air Force Academy. It doesn't matter. You've been given this one opportunity and you have to tend it. And it ain't nobody else's responsibility but yours. Newsflash. I can't be blaming. I look, I can't be, I can't be worried about the other farmer, right? Because see, if I'm if I'm concerned about my field, it's my job to weed it. It's my job to seed it. It's my job to harvest it. But then I sit over there and I'll say, well, gosh, looks like Farmer Brown's got another great harvest. He's just got a beautiful piece of land. He's got everything on that piece of land that he wants. And you start looking at yours and seeing how bad it is. 
Y'all know the story of Abraham and Lot? (laughs) Abraham and Lot basically had a discussion about land. And so Abraham said, look, choose, choose, you, you choose. And so what did Lot do? Lot chose the land that had all, it was all green and beautiful. It had everything that anybody could wish for. And so Abraham was stuck with basically the barren, rocky land. But guess whose yield produced more? Guess who got richer? Abraham. It had nothing to do with the land that he was on. It had everything to do with how he stewarded that which he had been given. And so today in your life, where you're at, man, steward that which you've been given. Don't be concerned about whether your bank account's got $10,000 in it or $100 in it. How do you steward that which you have been given? How do I steward this woman that God has given to me? How do I steward these children that God has given to me? How can we live that abundant life? It comes with me investing time and investing effort and putting everything I have into stewarding those things. And I can't, exp- I can't get mad at God if my children and my wife ain't down with me. I can't get mad if I don't put the time in for it. I ain't got nobody to blame but myself. If I'm not sowing into that woman and investing in our marriage... And, being, and, and, and doing everything I can to invest in her and to tend that promise which he's given me, man, I can't be mad at God because he gave her to me. And it's my responsibility. We live in a society today, man, that tries to absolve people of responsibility. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. We live in a society that tries to pass, pass it down. What well, ain't my fault? I mean, it happens. We've been there. We're all guilty of it. But it's high time that we come to the realization, man, that Gateway Church is the land that God has given you. It's the land that he has given each and every one of you. It's not just Pastor Derek's responsibility to steward it. It's your responsibility to steward it. It's your responsibility to serve, man. And, you know, like you walk up, you see a piece of trash, all somebody else will get it. That's not good stewardship. You see a new person walk in the door, all somebody else will talk to them. That's not good stewardship. It gets down to a position, guys, where we have to take responsibility for ourselves and for the promise that God has given us. If we want to see God do a great yield and bring a great harvest in this city and in your life, man, it comes down to the point we have to tend that which he has given us. Amen? My third point. So we got to prepare to possess it. we got to tend it. And we got to defend the land. We got to defend it. Now, you might be thinking when it comes to defending about fighting, and yeah, that, that may be true to some degree. But how many of you know that really the best defense for a piece of property and a piece of land is a good boundary? It's a good fence. It's a good gate. Because you know what a fence does? It establishes ownership. 
it establishes this is mine, that's yours, you do yours, this is mine. I don't, it ain't nobody else's responsibility, once again, to come up in my land and tend to my wife and my children. It's mine. That's my land. We're going to work it together. It lets people know that this property has been marked off and established by Almighty God. This church has walls. It has a door. People can come in and people can go out. And your land has to have a gate. Jesus said that he was the gate. And anybody trying to come up any other way was the same as a thief and a robber. You're going to have people that try to scale your wall. You're going to have people that try to stick their nose in your business, in your property, and you ain't got to be mean about it. But there are boundaries that we have to set up in our life that are not necessary. Yes, they are to keep some people out, but they're also to keep what's ours in. If there's a free flow of things coming in and out off of your land and off of your property and in your relationships, right? So, so if, if everybody has access to me all the time, then guess what that does? Because we live in a, a time like there, what's a, uh, Einstein's theory or maybe it's Newton's. Basically, energy cannot be created nor destroyed, right? Right? But if it's spent this way, it's not spent here. I can't spend it two ways. And so if people are coming in and out all the time and they're pulling on me and pulling on me and pulling on me and they're sucking the life out of me and I'm not able to turn around and invest that time into her, then guess what? I'm not defending my land. I'm not, I'm not being a good steward. Again, there's that word again, stewardship. I'm not being a good steward over what God has given me. You can't have access to Pastor Derek all the time. He loves you. He wants nothing but the best for you. But if he had to, if he had to every, every day, if he had to take phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call about this, that, or the other, guess what? That is taking away some time. He's going to be there to pastor you. Don't misunderstand me. But do you think that Pastor Derek needs to be the one worried about somebody picking up the trash? Mm-mm. He does. But at the end of the day, Guys, we have to protect and set up a defense around that which God has given us. Let's take it to a secular point of view for just a minute. So if I'm working a job and my coworker says, look, man, I got to get this project done. Here, let me, let me get you. Can you do this project for me? The boss really needs it, and I need to get this done. I mean, are are you going to just be like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. Let me help you when you've already got a project of your own to do. No. If you cannot say the word N-O, get it into your vocabulary. We got to be able to say no. There's nothing wrong with the word no. Because when we're saying yes to him, 
When we're saying yes to Jesus, he's going to help us and lead us and guide us into the things that we need to do. We're going to serve the church faithfully when we say yes to Jesus. We're going to serve our families well when we say yes to Jesus. We're going to serve our, our employers well when we say yes to Jesus. But there are some times when the enemy slips in and wants to try to steal your time or encroach upon your boundary. And guys, look, it's not the hostile takeover right? It's the slow creep. If y'all have ever been to the river or down to the ocean, man, you can't see the tide coming in. But the water gets a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And before, man, you've already set yourself up on the beach. You got your chairs already there. You got your umbrella in the ground. Man, you just chilling. You got your boombox going, you know, sunscreen all lathered up. And then all of a sudden, man, before you know it, about an hour later, you, you feel the water just getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer. It's not the mighty rush that we have to be concerned about. It's the slow fade, the little things time after time. Because if you get to a point where you can't say no, and you get to a place where you can't set up those, have those defined boundaries. Say, listen, man, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with what we've set up for our family and for me. And it's been a freeing thing. Like, on, I mean, it's just and whatever that is for your family, man, set those goals up. Set those vision, set that vision up before you so you and your family. Like at night, every night after Sarah and I get the kids to bed, we sit down and we talk. 30 minutes, no phone, no email, no TV, no text messages. The phones are put down. That is our land. Kids come downstairs, Nash comes downstairs, Daddy, son, get back upstairs, get in the bed. I love you, but go upstairs. Mommy and Daddy are talking. We're showing them right then and there that there are boundaries in which they cannot cross. I love my children. They mean the world to me. But there are some boundaries that they ain't going to cross. God did not put them ahead of my wife. He put her ahead of them. That's biblical. I ain't saying nothing that's a newsflash. God didn't call me to be one flesh with my children. They're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But they're not one flesh with me. She is my one flesh. So we begin to set up boundaries, and we set up those times where we say, look, this is our time for our family. And we get invited to do things all the time. And it's great. It's wonderful. We love hanging out with people. But particularly in this stage of life that we're in right now with small children, man, it's, it's hard. Y'all know it's tough. Pastor Derek and Angie, I mean, we were here when, when their kids were growing up. And it's like, I mean, you see how difficult it is to raise them. And there's sometimes where you get invited out for dinner and you just say, you know what, man, I just, I can't tonight. I love you and I appreciate the invite. And we'd love to maybe schedule some time into you but, or some time into doing this, but we just can't tonight. That is me defending my land. My first priority is my family. My first priority is my relationship with God. There should be some times where I have set out where it's just me and the Lord. Like I get on the treadmills in the morning and I put my headphones in and, you know, and I'm just sitting there walking on the treadmill and I'm listening to worship or I'm reading the word. That's my time with the Lord. And I got a buddy who will come up and sit next to me. And sometimes I'll stop and talk to him. But other times I keep my headphones in and I'm just sitting there just enjoying my time with the Lord. Man, that's me 
setting up those boundaries and those walls. If I got one, two headphones in, that means really don't bother me. But if I got one out, that means I'm good to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Right? We set those boundaries up because they're important. Let's go real quick to Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2, 17. He said, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Can you rebuild a city if you don't have gates up or walls up? Because as soon as you rebuild it, an enemy can come right back in, nothing to stop it, nothing to slow it down, nothing to get you time to fortify it, prepare it, and fight it back. You just let them come in and out as it goes. And we spend a lot of our life like that. We let things come in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. And I'm telling you, man, we have to defend our heart. We can do some really good things, but is it a God thing? Is, have we set up those things in our life that says, man, this is what God has called us to do? And look, if this ain't for you, God bless you. Go on your way. Man, be at peace. But this is what God has said for me and my family. This is what God has said for Gateway Church, right? To love God, to love others, to make disciples. That's it. Bottom line. Nothing else in between. Everything that we do is going to fall into one of those three things. And if it doesn't fall into those things, man, it might be a good thing, but it's not who we are called to be. We can't be everything to everybody. When we get into an inclusionist mentality where we, everything comes in and out and in and out and in and out, it's incredibly difficult to rebuild the wall because we got people taking bricks away as they come in and going. They're taking our materials, coming and going. Set up the boundaries in your life, in your church life, so where God can do an incredible thing and a new work in you. But it's going to require for you to take responsibility, prepare your heart, tend it, be a good steward over it, and defend it. If somebody comes in with some great ideas and is like, hey, Pastor Jerry, we should do this, 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 and this, this. What, what does that do? That's in and out, in and out. No gate, no wall, in and out, in and out. I'm not saying that Pastor Derek doesn't want to hear some good ideas. Of course he does. But if he doesn't do them, guess what? You don't need to be mad about it. I, I mean, it just, it is what it is. You know what you need to do? You need to pray that God would give him the revelation to have a, a bearing of a witness in your spirit. That's how authority works. That's how godly authority works, and that's how things begin to change, right? Because we can't convince anybody to do anything. Am I right about that? I mean, we, I've tried to convince my wife to do some things. It don't work. You know, we're different people, and that's okay. But when we pray together, when we pray in unity and pray for God to bring unity, to speak peace, and to speak something to us together, we get together and there's a bearing of witness in the Spirit. Because guess what? We're defending our land. This is what God has given us. I don't fight against her. I don't fight against her. She is not my enemy. Pastor Derek is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. 
I know that that sounds crazy, but that is godly authority and how it works. And if you don't like your boss, you know what? You know what you can do? You can pray for him that God would change his heart or her heart and give them some revelation. And you pray for them and speak blessing over them. And guess what? God might open up a door to make you their boss. But once again, it comes down to a stewardship issue. You don't have to like somebody to understand that they might be an authority over you. All you got to do is pray for them. And God might begin to change your heart and show them or show you that there's some things in their life that you can help minister to them for. Defend it. Defend it. This is your patch. I forgot the, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, it was Eliezer and uh, we just, uh, a buddy of mine just spoke a message on it. But basically it was uh, Shama. That was his name, Shama. Right, the bean patch. The Philistines are chasing after him. You know what he did? He stopped in that bean patch. He marked it off. He said, this is my bean patch. And he fought every Philistine until every Philistine was dead because he refused to run. All of his other buddies had run, but he won't run in no more. He stayed in that bean patch. He said, this is my land. This is my field. You can do what you want to. You can try to come up against it, but I'm going to defend this land with my life. And if it kills me, so be it. we got to get sold out to the attitude and the mentality, man, that we've got to be so sold out to the vision that God has for us that we can say, man, if it kills me, it's going to kill me. But I'm going to prepare to possess it. I'm going to tend it. I'm going to defend this thing with everything i got, and there ain't nothing left. That's the word today for you and for Gateway Church. God has some incredible things that he wants to do. Man, I come back and I see this city exploding in growth. It's crazy. I mean, we've only been gone almost three years. And it's just insane to see how many people are moving here. And you know what that is? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Not just for Pastor Derek, but for you. For you to possess this land. Own this land. Let this be something that you pour yourself into. Let your family be something that you pour yourself into every single day. And I hope that something that was in here today has spoken to you. I pray that it has. It's an honor to be with you. Let me pray for you real quick, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Derek. Darcy, if you can come up and maybe start playing a little bit. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are good. You're so good. Even when we can't see, Lord God, even when the thorns of life come up and they try to choke out, God, and take over the land that you've set us on, Lord, God, that we wouldn't grow weary in well-doing, that we wouldn't grow weary having to pull it out because it's just a part of the process. And so every day, God, with our family, with our job, with our church, Lord, I pray that we could know how to prepare ourselves to possess that which you've called us to. God, that we would know how to tend and be a good steward over the things that you've called us to, Father. And that we would know what boundaries to set up and how to defend that which you've called us to. God, I pray that right now that families would be touched, Lord, marriages would be touched in the name of Jesus. 
God, any children, wayward children, Lord, that are running parents ragged right now, Father, I just speak to that. Lord, and I speak peace in the name of Jesus over that. God, as we seek your face and pursue you, you have good things for us. And God, that you you called and said that you would give us life and give it to us more abundantly. So right now, God, we want to receive that abundant life by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, that we wouldn't let the enemy creep in and rob our joy and steal our joy. But Father, that we would set up those boundaries, those gates, that he could not come in except through the gate. And that gate is you. And every time the enemy comes in like a flood, your word says that you'll raise up a standard against him. And so we speak that over every family, every person right now in the name of Jesus, God. I just pray a special blessing over Gateway Church, God, that you got more that you want. You've got greater things that you want to do in the life of Gateway Church, Father. Give Pastor Derek the vision, Lord, the wisdom, God, to be able to navigate and maneuver, Lord, the things that you called him to, Lord. And I pray that this congregation, Father, that they would begin to take on the responsibility and the ownership, God, that this is their land too. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you're going to bring forth, Lord, through the growth of this city, Lord, and the furtherance of the kingdom that you're going to bring through Gateway Church, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you, Damon. Uh, What a message. Amen. You believe God has called you to possess the land. Yeah. As we wrap up this morning, I want to share a quick testimony. This uh, last week, I got a call from David Williams, uh, who is House District Representative uh, for uh, District 15 uh, in Colorado, uh, right here in the Springs. Um, You know, Angie and I got a call, and Emily's like, hey, you know, I know this is kind of last minute, but could you guys open your home so that we could have a delegates meeting? And uh, you know, David's running for the house, and there's another person that's wanting to be on the, the, the ballot. And and uh, it was a week before, the Sunday before that, David had come to me. He goes, man, Pastor, I need to talk to you right after service. We went to my office, sitting in my office, and, and we're chatting. He's like, man, I just don't know. Uh, look, David stands for Christian principles, and a lot of times in politics, that just isn't uh, seen the way we need it to be seen in our society. Amen. And so when I think about Gateway and a lot of the things that that have happened over the years, you got to understand, David was in my youth group when I was the youth pastor of Gateway Church. And he was talking about going into politics and what God had called him to do. And, and I think about that as being a part of, of this land, a part of Gateway's vision. And that it's not just that the church is sharing things, but that people in their workplace, and when you think about in politics, you know, how many of you are a politician? Raise your hand. We have one politician in Gateway Church, that's David. And he's been dreaming that dream since he was a kid. And I remember telling him like, you know, David, I think you've chosen probably one of the hardest lives that you could choose. When you think about the land that God has given him to possess, his thing is he desires to see Christian principles and integrity back in politics. And that's not an easy thing to do. Can you say amen to that? And so he, he, he fights for that, defends that. And so he has uh, this delegation meeting. The first thing I looked at Angie, I said, we are not done painting the house, and they want to have people over to our house. 
so we start going through, you know, uh, our boundaries. Is this going to work with it? It's like, my boundary is this. I want to help equip uh, God's people at Gateway Church to do what he's called them to do. And opening up our home was a way that we could serve them so that they could bring their delegates together because they needed a home that was in the district to meet with the delegates. And so Angie and I went to work, and it was like, you know, a number of 18-hour days just getting the rest of the house painted and and done up. Uh, But it was a simple way we could serve David and Emily and uh, their sacrifice, you know, for our community, for our state, if you will, and more so for the kingdom of God, for what he represents. Because I've known him 18 years, and all I've ever, ever heard him talk about was representing God in politics for our nation. I got to tell you right now, watching him grow up into that and being dedicated, and you want to know what he has done for all those years? He's been preparing and preparing, and he still prepares. And what is he doing? He's tending, and then, hey, I need to have this meeting. Why? Because he's got to defend that vision that he has. And you want to know something? It all lines up with Gateway's vision. Love God, love others, and make disciples. What is making disciples? Teach them to obey all I've commanded you to do. Bringing back God's values to our government uh, is really what I know him to, to stand for. And I'm um, here to tell you, um, there was another person running to have their name on the ballot. Uh, David won 81%, so he's the one that's going back to the state to represent. And I share that because thinking of, of Damon's message, it was just hitting me over and over. You know, the, the aspect of the church, the church is as great as the people that are in it. Amen. I mean, it's, our God is great, but we as a people represent God's purpose. And that's what makes up a great church. Amen. And so I want to share that testimony with you because uh, it's not like David had total confidence through all that. David, would that be accurate? Uh, when he was in my office, it's like, hey, you know, I'm trying to defend it. Hey, would you join me? So we're praying. And, and those other delegates that are praying and believing for those same values to come back in, into politics. They're defending that, that land. Why? Because they believe in what God wants uh, for, for America. And, you know, I know that can sound like it's political, but I need you to understand that, you know, God's always been involved in politics. Did you know that? If you go and read the Bible, what you'll find is, is you'll find prophets, you'll find priests, and you'll find governors. And what they're doing is they're interacting. Why? Because God has a promise for his people, but the leaders have to come together to ensure that the people can experience the fullness of those promises as we all go together, amen? God bless you as you go today. And remember, you have a call in your life to possess the land that God's promised you for his kingdom, amen? God bless you. Enjoy your week.